The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion. Hey there, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where we come together every week to discuss all kinds of healing. And that's something the world needs a lot of these days, maybe now more than ever, right? So if you're new to my show, really want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us. And if you've been joining with us for a while, welcome back. I'm glad you keep coming back for more. What if you're what if you could like feed your soul on a daily basis? Um, <clears throat> that's what we're gonna talk about today, rituals of the soul. And there's there's this beautiful sort of secret knowledge under the practice of yoga that our guest today yoga teacher, surfer, and world traveler, Corey Han, is going to share with us sort of the, I really loved reading about sort of the underpinnings, like the, the structure that lies beneath the, the kind of surface level practices that a lot of us do, or at least start our yoga journey going on, and that those rituals can bring about <clears throat> deep happiness, spiritual change, and kind of growth in our, on the level of the soul and our intuition. So, you know, you know, I love to talk about intuition. We're going to talk about that today a lot. So welcome to the show, Corey. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Wow. So um, I loved your story um, about kind of how you did a reset in your life um, that, that was pretty rad. It's like radical. And I'm wondering if you can share with us a little bit about what that was like and how you came to these deeper practices and even to write the book. Yeah, it feels like a big life, big story because it's really my life. And, it, you know, I think that a lot of times we look for these one moments, this one moment that yeah. uh, was the real game changer. But it, it's just so not. It's so many little things every day. Of course, there's been, definitely been some big events like death that always just take the breath out and like amplify our mission but um yeah where to begin it feels like a, a a big question but um i lived in alaska for 12 years i drove up after college and spent a lot of time up there um, getting to know the native communities and the wilderness and silence and, and just finding a new lifestyle i grew up in the big city of texas like dallas and houston actually so yeah. grew up in major concrete jungles so that was a really new and exciting world and i had a 
relationship uh, for a long-term relationship, seven or eight years. And we bought a house and things were going quite well. Like from the outside, it looked really great. Like this perfect domestic relationship. <laughs> we had jobs, you know, like picture perfect. Um, but I was so unhappy for so long. And so I did, I always kind of knew I wanted to go, but I didn't know where. And I would take trips on my own to go study yoga in India and then come back and um, was about, I would say one foot out the door all the time. And eventually I did leave. And that's when um, this, I'd say my greatest transformation really happened. And I just went wandering as a, as Clarissa Pinkola Estes says in her book, mm. we wander until we find what we're looking for, you know? And so I really did do that. I took a journey and went to Europe and um, eventually ended up in Sri Lanka where I learned to surf. And people asked me to run my business there uh, to teach yoga. So I started running a business from that. And one thing led to another. And um, I really found myself neck deep in, in yoga, uh, living it and doing it in my own practice, but as my work. And eventually I, I had this urge to write. And um, from that very slowly and through a lot of changes, um, I wrote my book. And I, in many ways, believe that that was my first big channeling or processing something from source in such a clear way mm. and um, really entered. I believe that that was what I needed to do with discipline, my own personal ritual to write a little bit every day to learn to unravel my own craft and uh, my own powers in channeling and, and intuition. And, and from the journey of writing the book, I learned so much of what's in it. <laughs> like, I don't even know where that came from. So, wow. I think all good channelers, you know, and, and um, I'm a writer too. So I'm working on uh, book number three <laughs> right now. And I, I think I'm going to write another book and then I get into it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, why did I say I would do this? This is terrible. Like it's so, it's such an arduous journey, but I, <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm, and it, it's kind of like having a baby, isn't it? Like, you're like, let's have a baby. And then you're like, you go into labor and you're like, ah, you know, like that. <laughs> but, um, so let's talk about, I feel like your whole, like you talk about yoga and I, I really want your, your next book to be about the, the yoga of surfing because yeah. I think surfing is such like, I love to surf. I'm not very good at it. But I love to do it. And I, I feel like there's a yoga to that as well. You know, kind of like something about it that brings us into the fullness of the moment or brings us deep into our spirit. And and I, I feel like underneath everything that you do, whether it's yoga, traveling, or surfing, or writing, just like you said, there's this getting down to the authentic, intuitive, gritty, kind of soul level um, thing that's so beautiful, so inspiring. What do you think? Is that, do those um, things I talk have about all that in, in common? Actually, and I talk about that connection and I, and I, what I do in my book is I break down the yoga practice and, and say what the principles, what are they really trying to get us to do? What is this eight-step stairway that's going to lead us to Samadhi or Zion? Like, what is this? <laughs> but the third, let's see, the fifth step of that process is learning to feel. It's Pratyahara, sense withdrawal. And I talk about how surfing actually really gave me a understanding of energetics, like even under standing the ocean like okay so somewhere there's a storm way out at sea this 
the ocean's completely mysterious, like deep down. We really don't understand much about it scientifically at all, um, or at least the deeper parts of it. And um, similar to the soul. And um, so I, I talk about learning to feel through that process of learning to serve. And really, perhaps that's where my intuition started growing from is um, I, it took, you know, I had space and silence and learned to be present all those years in Alaska. And as soon as I left and I learned to serve, I learned to feel, I learned to move my way around something and you couldn't read about it. You couldn't study it. You just had to figure it out. It is like childbirth. You just go in and you see what the waves come, you know? So as a wave came from somewhere, I don't know, in Antarctica, if I could time it and feel it just right, I can get on that wave and I can actually glide. And to me, that was like, I got on that same channel essentially with writing, with with everything now. I'm trying at least. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm not nailing everything, but it's a, it was a beautiful thing to learn that intuition, that felt sense of driving your life. When I, when I learned to surf, um, which was many years ago, and I really have, because I live in New England, we were talking about the, I live in Rhode Island, the water's too cold here for me, but I had this sense of like, kind of like, you got to go with, literally go with the flow, right? Because you're, you're in the water. And if you go with your intuition, it's this beautiful, ecstatic experience. And if you don't, like, you might die. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, this is going to kill me. I mean, they're going to go with the flower. It's going to kill me. And um, and that's, I love sort of that edge that it puts you in. Yes. You know, where you, and you too. have to be super, super present yes. to the moment. And the fear, the overcoming the fear. I do notice a difference, especially even how men and women go after things. And it, surfing is the perfect example of that. Because most men that you see come out and learning to surf, they just go for it. They're not even scared of falling most of the time. And I'm totally generalizing here, but I think it's it's what I've witnessed for sure. And then most of the girls, we really sit out there. We sit on our board. We wait. We watch how people do it. We don't want to take off and crash a hundred times. We want to get it right, you know? And so I think that there is this reservation with how women you know, do things also a, a sacred feminine way to this as well that mm. I didn't understand either. I think through surfing has helped. Yeah. I love those things. I, I mean, I find that, um, you know, my, my, I got a super busy mind and it's those cu cutting edge, like when you're on sort of the edge that where my mind really calms down and, um, I like boxing too and martial arts, sort of the same, <laughs> kind of the, I've for been the same craving reason. that. Yes. Oh, it's so fun. And ballroom <laughs> dancing, like all these things for me were, were um, kind of like te teaching you to be fully, fully, fully in the moment. So um, then my mind quiets. It's like the only thing that really does it. Yes. That's the, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To just figure out what those things are. That's all we got to do. That's what my entire book is. Figure out what your rituals are, right? How to integrate that moment as much as you can, whether it's boxing or surfing or writing or anything. Oh, mm. So nice when you figure those things out for yourself. So let's talk about these eight steps because I'm. I think it's very exciting that you've come up with like a process, you know. And it's quite an old, you know. First of all, I'm very impressed that you translated the sutras by, you know, on your own. That's 
pretty amazing. Yeah, well, it's just some, and I would mainly use like translated commentary text. So it wasn't that I, I know Sanskrit by any means, but I do believe there's enough translations of them that are all the same. You right. put them all together and you can know really what the, the translation is behind these. But to think of it so much through the intuitive spectrum, um, yeah, was really helpful to realize that this is actually the, the key I was missing. And um, yeah, it's like the underlying process because we think yoga is like the, the asana, right? And yes. maybe some breathing and some like yeah. chavasana at the end, you know. Um, and that's meditation, you know, meditation, yeah. a little meditation, like you got to eat healthy and yeah, that's it, right? So, so when's it going to come then? If we do that, when is this samadhi going to come? <laughs> I'm still angry every day. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> right. I know we're still human and there's still yes. all this. The world is crazy. So um, so I, I just think you, you put it in. A, I've, I've um, heard about this and studied it a bit myself um, over the years, but I feel like you put it into such a digestible form for me that I could really be like, oh, these eight principles there what's underlying in the yoga is like the surface level but underneath that is this whole process really for enlightenment i mean is it too is that too extreme to say that word no it i think that's is what this is all about and um you know they say there's two forms of enlightenment if that's what you want to call it. the yogis call it samadhi or in, in um right. hinduism but I think enlightenment is more the Buddhist term for the same place, the same thing. I mean, even heaven, Shangri-La, I kind of consider them all the same, but that's just me. But in, in, in the yogi's terms, that would be samadhi. And they say there's two forms of that. And so one is like with seed. It's like the tangible manifestation, like using these powers just to um, create things in your human life. But if you learn how the process works, eventually you get bored with this egotistical chasing and manifestation, and you can put all that strong, powerful energy that you have practiced and learned into ultimately understanding your purpose, understanding your truth, and becoming one uh, with your soul, becoming conscious, enlightenment. And so I do think that it's it's a cycle. It's That's what the word, the rebirth and the way the monarchs die and come back and continue their journey for lifetimes. That's what we're doing. We're just going to continue practicing these eight steps. And I think what's really helpful is when you know what they are, you don't take everything so seriously. You're like, oh, this is a blockage. Okay, I have a limiting belief. This is where we are in the process. Instead of just self-shaming trauma cycle or what oh my god yeah it's given me a lot of compassion i think for all the parts of the process even the really ugly ugly well i call, say ugly but the the, the necessary painful, painful yes the parts we really don't want there yeah could learn to deal with that because i see that somehow this is helping me grow more through this mm. process I, I love it. So let's talk about what the steps are a little bit. Can you give us a little thumbnail of what the process is? Yes, sure. So in the beginning, um, they they give us two kind of like the Ten Commandments would be. So they give us these rules and these virtues. And these are the yamas and the niyamas. And the yamas are simple. They're, they're the rules to being a spiritual being. Do not steal um, brahmacharya to keep your body value your body really know your worth um, aparagaya simplify minimize really keep your life as simple as you can because that'll 
allow you the time to become a spiritual being. So they listed five rules there. And then they also have um, uh, five niyamas, which are values. And I always say these things I would come back to time and time again. So if you feel you're off track, you don't know how to make a decision, come back to this list of values. And these are um, five principles, like Santosha is when I name my business after it, which is contentment. And it's really learning to just be okay in this moment. Um, the tapas is about fiery passion. So if something really lights you up, that's important. That's gonna guide you along your, your path. And um, I actually don't have the, that list and I'm sure I could ponder it, but I'll, I'll there's, I, I always just say, come, like, leave that on your wall and don't worry so much about memorizing or even knowing that. Even I wrote a book about it and honestly, it would take me some serious thinking to, to, to list them. <laughs> but, but they're always just, you naturally do most of those things. And I say, you can just come back to the values, the, the cleanliness is one of them, the fiery passion, the contentment, come back and when you need to make a decision. But when you move into the actual yoga practices and the tangible things we can do, that's what we start in that third principle, which is asana. And that's what most people know. It's their introduction to yoga, most definitely. Right. But in all the nearly 200 aphorisms in the Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, which is essentially the Bible of yoga, there's one line on asana. And it says to have a comfortable and steady body. That's it. All of the variations you see, the Lululemon classes, the hot Ashtanga, that's all a derived from that one line it's really such a not small but it, it, it well yeah small it's like 0.5 percent of the process here that they've explained so right. um if you can start though but it's important if you can start making your body more comfortable and steady what you're essentially doing is looking at your body every moment everything you do and saying when I drive, how does that make me feel? When I'm on my computer for a long amount of time, when I watch on Instagram, what's happening in my heart? Right. All of that. And start creating space. That's what Asana wants us to do. It wants us to create space in our life so we can feel comfortable and steady. That's it. Hmm. That's it. I love so that. When you move, it's to make yourself more comfortable and steady. That's it, to make yourself have more space in some sort of way. And so once you learn to do that, you'll learn to sit comfortably. You can sit or you can lay on your bed for a, for a while without getting agitated in your body. You'll learn to be comfortable and steady like that. And then you can learn the breathing practices, pranayamas, which are introducing us to be in the power of now, to be present, mindfulness. It's the basis of all Buddhism, and nearly all schools of meditation begin here, focusing on the breath moving in and out of the nose, the chest moving. So these are basic ways to teach the mind to concentrate and to focus on the now. Hmm. And that's so important because if yeah. you can't concentrate and society is training us to almost be the opposite of concentrative, it's teaching us to be distracted with right. three, three posts in an ad or two minute commercials, like everything that you are usually doing on your screen is, is shortening our attention span. And, right. and we, we have a lot of screen time these days. Let's be yeah. real. I know. But I worry, once about, you, worry about those kids with the TikTok and stuff. I mean, oh, I, it wasn't yeah. a, a dream when Facebook went out, you know, last I know. week. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, Woo it 
was I was like this is six hours of back. (laughs) It's terrible timing for a book launch, but inside Mm. my intuition was just screaming yes. (laughs) Um, So once you learn to concentrate and once you learn to create space in your life, in your schedule, in your mind, then that's when you can learn to feel. That's when this can be difficult. This can be hard, but you can learn to move inside pratyahara without your eyes, ears, without your senses and learn to feel the sixth sense, your intuition. And really it's, it's a hard thing for so many people to do because we have to face our traumas in many ways when we do this. And this is really cool in a lot, a lot of ways, how much trauma has become this force the, the, the focus of healing right now in the holistic world. And we're realizing how much stems from this, but yeah. this is where you would heal this in the yoga process. You would really learn to continue staying in the body and letting the, these emotions be arise and pass away and, and, and becoming one with them so that they can just, they really do float almost to the surface and out of your body. The more you are present with them. So that's the the first five are um, the yogi's way of becoming intuitive. That's all you have to do and you will become more in tune if you can really learn to feel. And so in the book, I talk about energetics and even doing meditations on where's your heart, where's your kidneys, where's your, like your organs are working inside of you. They say you can, if you learn to concentrate enough, you can feel your heart beating, you know, you can really like hear it. Or that would be so easy for someone who is psychic and and, or super sensitive, you know, but that's what we're learning to do. Then the final three steps of the process are, I call it the manifestation rituals, because once you move into feel, you're going to see all the blockages. You're not only going to get your dreams, but you're going to be, you're going to see all the limiting beliefs and all the unconscious things happening inside of you that are blocking you from getting it. It usually comes within the same breath, even like, like dreams and nightmares. Exactly. Your fears and what you want. So it's, they're working together. It looks like that DNA spinning thing, you know, like your fears and your yeah. dreams are completely, your dreams are often you having none of those fears, <laughs> you know, like a lot of times. So it's, it's really helpful to know your dreams and to see the fears that come up and keep working. And that's that stage of unblocking, I call it. And even the yoga in the sutras, they go into five life lessons we learn and and five typical blockages, which is ego and and craving and fear, aversion. And and so you can look at the ways that these things pop up to keep you playing small in a sense, or keeping you unspiritual or unbelieving. um, Finally, if you do all those things, you can manifest and you can start to make your dreams happen. You can start to listen to your intuition and walk in that path. And um, even though it, it will be challenging at first, cause you've never done that. And the second to last stage, just before like manifestation, I call it, or that enlightenment stage, whichever cycle you're on would be um, the, the bhakti stage in yoga, which is doing this, Love. knowing that you're a soul. understanding your worth knowing that this is what this is really about is not the money the book the tangible things you might be using this process for in the beginning especially in your 20s and 30s right like you're just like i want it all and um but eventually you're like okay this is 
this learning is actually deeper than that. It's about me understanding I am a soul. And that's why you can step into the enlightenment with this process as you learn to manifest for the good of God, for the source as, as an offering. That's amazing. You know, I, I love it that, um, that, that manifesting is at the end in a way, because well, can you imagine what the world would be like if we were manifesting from our trauma, you know, from like before we've cleaned out, um, cleaned out and aligned and aligned with God and all those things. Like, I mean, we do anyway, cause we do, but thankfully we, you know, we're, we're, when we're more of a clear vessel, then we can get down to manifesting. Exactly. Once you understand all the, the ways these energies and unconscious things are working, it becomes much, much easier. Um, but then even as you continue dedicating those manifestations to the soul, that's, isn't enlightenment just manifestation on a really big scale? Yeah. I think so. That's miracles. You know, that's what miracles are. It's like you think it happens without any time lag. Yeah. Yep. Just Absolutely. don't understand that that line of energy is what I think a miracle is. It's just too hard for your mind to understand. But the better you get at this process, the better you are at be you know, I would imagine as a psychic that you would understand that process maybe a little bit more than say the average joe who really doesn't below but believe sorry yeah i mean I, I i think so it's more i think as a spiritual seeker like you that i understand it you know um that that my pathway is more through the kabbalah that's been my my lifelong study um but i love i love that when I, we look deeply at these uh, systems they're so they're they have so much in common they're almost the same really you know. They are. And even with the Kabbalah, it's the same. I remember I actually was at my first yoga teacher training and was reading. I had found, you know, all these texts about Kabbalah and I was just so blown away. It was the most powerful moment mm -hmm. because they, I could see the, how the vessel and the light and the dark, and it's, it's just another way of explaining the same thing, really. Exactly. So but, many, so cool. Yeah. So Corey, how can people get in touch with you? Let's take a look at your website and and your book and um do you what are you doing are you still are you still traveling or how can people work with you i am still traveling right now i'm solo momming with my kid actually with you know all the plans have been changing with covid um, <laughs> movements and, and living abroad so um i was running retreats for a long time and i do hope to get back into that when traveling feels safe and, and and I feel good with that move. Um, we will do retreats again, but for now I'm focusing on just promoting this book and um, I have a lot of podcasts coming with others and my own. Um, everything I'm putting together, lots of meditations are on my website and I have different programs. They go from free 10 day meditation programs, really introducing you to this entire system to big grand programs that um, where you can dive into each of these steps with like 10 different meditations to thoroughly understand it but more than that to apply it into yourself so that's what i have and then here's the book on amazon so if this interests you then this is where this is the basis for all the knowledge about it <laughs> and yeah uh, rituals of the soul your book is fantastic and i got a like a um pdf version of it but i'm gonna buy it because i want to have like the hard copy because i just oh, thank you lisa i felt like your book um it was like a little life raft for me, 
You know what I mean? Like I was, I felt like I was holding on to something kind of calming and steady. And I was reading, I was like, oh, like I just felt I would just get more and more relaxed and and happy as I was reading through it. It it was like a like a, a light in in the world. That's what we need right now. So I um, mm-hmm. I want everybody to go go out and read your book and check out your Thank website you. and get some of those meditations and. Um, you know, best of luck to you as you're, as you're launching. It's super important, the book that you wrote. So um, thank you for writing it and let's spread it out so everyone can find it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for helping me with that mission. (laughs) Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Corey, so much for being here. It was delightful to talk with you today. You as well, Lisa. Have a good one. Thanks. And thank all of you guys for tuning in uh, to this show. Uh, This is, um, if you want to find me, you can check me out on my website lisacampion.com i hope you come by and visit i have a lot of free resources for psychics and empaths anyone who's kind of on that journey i can hook you up with some good stuff and i just want to thank you for being here with us today on the miracle of healing where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on empower radio I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.